0: You are listening to the OneOfUs.net Podcast Network. You've listened to OneOfUs.net for years. Quality shows that have made you laugh and maybe even cry. But did you know they produce podcasts that you may not have even heard of. For just a few dollars a month,
1: you have the opportunity to hear quality podcasts like... The Breakfast Pub. The Bowl 2016! Get High motherfuckers! The Original Gentleman. I see this as an avenue to you becoming a huge chick magnet. Oh, yeah. And Watch a Movie With Us series...
0: By the way, anybody thinking that his makeup is a little bit heavy here does not remember the 80s. <laughs> oh, she's thinking about banking babies right now. <laughs>
1: oh, it turned into a phallic symbol. Become a subscriber to oneofus.net and choose your level of giving from Red Shirt Brown Coat
0: Time Lord and Jedi. And know that your donation will help bring quality oral entertainment to you for years to come. Thank you. And make Thulu devour your house last. And now, this week's digital noise will be brought to you entirely by the cats in the house. Oh, oh,
1: we, we better pull those apart. Uh, <laughs> Better, better
0: get the jaws alive. And we'll be back after these commercial messages. Alright, All right, now we're back to the cats. Yeah, okay. Mm. <coughs>
1: beer? Yeah, I think I think that's what Kitty is for beer.
0: Welcome to Digital Noise. I'm here with Joe. I'm Chris, in case you didn't know. Hello, and I'm not Chris. You're not Chris. That's what we'll refer to you from now on, the anti-Chris. This is not Chris. Yeah, the un-Chris. You're aught-Chris. I'm (laughs) zero-Chris. Uh, no Chris is given. Mm-hmm. <laughs> None received. <laughs> we are here to review a ton of Blu-rays and DVDs of TV shows and movies. Uh, just before we start, real quick, please click on those Amazon links. Can't tell you how much that helps But if you buy stuff through those Amazon links. Either the item involved in, in particular on the page, which is all the titles we'll be talking about this week, or anything. As long as you start from that link, we get a kickback. That makes a huge difference. The way to make the hugest difference is if you support one of us.net is to become a subscriber. There are four different levels of subscription. Every single page on the side of the page, you'll see a place that you can jump on board that, and you get a whole bunch of bonus podcasts and audio to listen to now, if you do that. If I'm a subscriber, uh, yes. am I a cool person? Um, You may not have been a cool person before becoming right, a subscriber. Right, yeah, no, but, given. But it will definitely give cool points by becoming Okay, more. okay, will it get me in the clubs? It's like, let's say... You want to be a film director, okay? And you're not at all film director. How did you know but that? Then you go to film college. Mm-hmm. There's like being a subscriber is like going to UCLA. Oh, so it's so like- you're not uh, still maybe not yet a film director yet. But you are now officially on the road to becoming is, a filmmaker. Is it,
1: is it, is it kind of like being a, a Cosby's honorary doctorate?
0: It's just like that. Oh, sweet. Exactly. Or have this pill. Although I don't think there is a real doctorate for being cool, to be fair. Well, there is once you're a subscriber. <laughs> uh, that is the number one way you can help us. But there's lots of other ways. There's lots of banners to click on that if you buy stuff through there, helps us out, like Sideshow Collectibles, Entertainment Earth, Audible.com, any of those things you were thinking about doing anyway, or maybe you weren't, maybe it's time to think about it, click on those, buy something through those. You help support the site, helps so much. Thank you so much. And with all that being said, let's move on to the review, view, views, view, view, the views, reviews, reviews. reviews. View, view, views, view, view, reviews. reviews. <laughs> Yoda was a hip hop star. Uh, Beats, so fresh they are. So we're going to start off with. Um, some really horrible horror films. <laughs> yeah, that, yep. That came out. Uh, one of which I remember when they I saw the trailer originally for The Forest. I was excited about it mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. the whole like uh, suicide forest that I don't even know how to say the name of that. Oh, Okay, there you go. You you're the guy I go to for that yeah. sort of stuff. Uh, in Japan, at the base of Mount Fuji. Is like a place like the scariest place on the planet. It's
1: super spooky.
0: There's no place spookier than that. I was like, oh my god, they're finally making a horror movie. There, what took so long? Yeah,
1: when I was in Japan, I, I pooped my
0: pants. What?
1: I, I didn't go to the forest, <laughs> but I pooped my pants. That's. I guess that's <laughs> the a the only story. way
0: this is related is that you were freaked out and you were in Japan.
1: No, no. The, 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 I mean, the, the connection is that I pooped my pants.
0: What? What is that the connection to? Never there was mind. no. Pants never mind. Never mind. Okay,
1: I, I can't. I can't lay
0: breadcrumbs. Okay. <laughs> it's so obvious that I can't even explain. It. Actually, I did poop breadcrumbs. Did you? Well, Had you been eating bread? No, that's the weird part. That's, that is strange. Uh, yeah, and it was like not only does that sound cool, a horror movie about that, and a big Hollywood like horror movie, but the gorgeous and talented Natalie Dormer from Game of Thrones mm-hmm, playing mm-hmm. both the lead role, sort of the both the protagonist and the sort of. Uh, uh, <laughs> and the bad the, die job. Yeah, and the bad die job a uh, 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 third man mm-hmm. in the film. Like two different roles with twin sisters. Okay. Of basically, course. Basically, the one wakes up and goes, ah, oh, something's wrong with my sister.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're wonder twin uh, uh, powers. superpowers, powers.
0: And so she's like, okay, I'm flying to Japan, like, immediately. Like, with no thought, wake up, go, oh, time to buy tickets to Japan, because something's wrong with my sister. And she goes there and finds out that her sister, in fact, uh, was kind of getting a little weird and depressed and strange, and ended up hiking into the suicide forest, where people famously go to kill themselves. And she brought a tent. Yeah, she brought a tent, which they say is a good sign, right? They're like, oh, well, she brought a tent. I mean, she's just thinking about it. She hasn't made up her mind yet, right? But... She's been gone for weeks. Let's face it; she's dead. You know, if she didn't die intentionally, she died by getting lost because the place is huge and people die that way too. Yeah, or tree falls on them. Don't ever step off the path, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Very clear path. In fact, there are people whose whole job it is, and this is absolutely true, to go in there regularly and clean out the bodies. Yep. <laughs> like wow. Uh, so she goes in there. And what does she do? She goes off the path mm-hmm. with a group of people, and of course, immediately starts having really poorly designed horror sequences happen to her.
1: Yeah, with with, uh, Puffy Guy, who looks like poor man's uh, McSteamy from from Grey's Anatomy.
0: Yeah, kind of. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I just... There's so many things in here that are just the most generic horror tropes in Mm -hmm. the universe. Like, there's there was literally nothing in this film that freaked me out even a tiny bit.
1: Yeah, are we allowed to spoil? I don't I don't
0: get it. Well, it depends on the degree to which spoiler.
1: Well, we're just about. like the, the the nature of of uh, she's she's heavily traumatized by her her uh, her parents uh, dying. Yes,
0: and you know, I barely remember that Jesus. Yeah,
1: and and how they died. Is very obviously even from her own uh, rose tinted glasses view of it, very obvious what actually happened.
0: Yeah, um, like and that's supposed to act as like you know a reveal later, but you just don't care. No. Like it's so like, and the way people act. Oh my, okay, so like part of it, is she's got this friendship sort of flirtatious, almost, with this reporter named Aiden, who, like, goes in with her, and, like, they tell her right from the get-go, here's the thing, the first lies to you and tells you, makes you, like, see hallucinations. It makes you suspicious of other people. Mm -hmm, Like, mm -hmm. the first inkling she gets that maybe that clearly something is creepy coming in the forest and causing her to be suspicious of Aiden, she just buys into that <laughs> shit, like hook, line, and sinker. Like, she just joined the Columbia Records Club in 1983. Well, <laughs> she, she sent that penny. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my god, I get that many records? It's like, there's so much stuff like that where you're there. she just acts like such a moron. You're like, you just lose sympathy for her almost immediately. To be
1: fair, he was an Australian reporter with a shitty Australian Australian accent,
0: <laughs> but that's pretty true across the board, right? You know, yeah, yeah, it's true. All Australians have shitty accents. Yeah, like you just wish you were New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, Australians. I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like the biggest problem here is, like I said, there's just nothing scary, and it honestly, the character motivations don't make any sense. Um, the there's a point you're just like yelling at the screen, going, "Will you please just fucking." Shut up and do what everybody else is telling it's you to do. It's not even
1: spooky in any way?
0: Yeah. And how can you make this not spooky? Mm-hmm. This setup, how do you fuck this up? I just baffled, baffled that how they managed to fuck this up. This director, Jason Zada. I'm just calling you out. You're done. You're done, brother. You're done, brother. You fucked this up. I don't know how you fucked this up. I mean, for God's sakes, you've won awards for tech, like media stuff you've been doing. You need to go back to that because or either that or maybe maybe it's not your fault at all. Maybe it's one of those, like, hey, this is a new guy, so we'll bring him in here, and the producer sat on your shoulder. Fair enough. If that's what happens, I understand.
1: Just, just, just blink twice yeah.
0: for yes. I mean, certainly the, the script, which you had nothing to do with, that was obviously a big problem here <laughs> yeah. as well. But, um, uh, like, if you walk into another scenario and it seems similar to this, then uh, walk away. Because the forest is, is kind of an insult to horror in general.
1: At least it had a puzzling Japanese chick <laughs> who just shows up for no goddamn yeah, no reason.
0: No reason. Hey, here's a Japanese schoolgirl in the woods because it's a horror movie that takes place in Japan, and yeah. by law, we're required to have a, a, a Japanese schoolgirl in is it.
1: She, is she a spirit? No. Is she, like, a murderer? No. <laughs>
0: we don't really know what she is in the film. It's just like she's red herring Japanese just there, schoolgirl. Yeah. She... Probably something, but the movie never really said. Yeah, says. And not even like a used panty seller. Yeah, like, I, nothing. A used panty seller. She's the spirit of a vending machine. Exactly. <laughs> the forest is garbage. It is much worse than the also kind of garbage, the boy. Mm, which Though the boy. Did you get to see the boy? No, I didn't. On. Okay, well, the... you should be glad. Okay, because uh, the boy is no good. But <laughs> that boy is no good. It's practically great compared to the forest. Uh, partially, we've got like we've got Lauren Cohen from mm-hmm. The Walking Dead coming okay. in here, and honestly, okay. like I will say, I thought even Natalie Dormer did a terrible job acting in The Forest. Oh, yeah. I know she's a yeah. good actress, and she's bad in that movie. Lauren Cohen, pretty good in The Boy. I gotta okay. say, I kind of I kind of bought into it, and it's a fun if not, it's a movie that wants you to say, "Oh, it's obvious where this is going," and then pulls the rug out from you when it goes a completely different direction. Shyamalan, except that's been a trope in indie horror for like two years now that mm-hmm. all stole it from this one movie that I don't want to say the name. Cause then you'll know what happens in the boy, no. but it's one of those, like guys, you don't get to claim points for originality when you're just blatantly <laughs> ripping off like this minor classic, that kid that would hit the festivals a
1: few years ago. So, so is this basically like a cover band?
0: You know, I mean, it cover, it's setting the exact same plot twist in a different, Scenario. Okay. But it's the exact same plot twist, and you're like, okay, guys, you gotta stop doing that. <laughs> uh, anyway, the point being is that she plays Greta young woman who's escaping an abusive relationship by getting a temporary job as a nanny for this British-as-fuck. They're so British, they shit the Queen Nice. In this really cool, gothic house. And they're like, she's like, they're, they're going on vacation for the first time in a year, so they want someone to come in and take care of their kid. Like, oh, great, okay, this is I can do this, except the problem is to get there to see the kid. And it's like a ceramic doll boy. Like, full life-size, but mm-hmm. it's a ceramic doll. And they act like, no, it's he's real. And here's a list of rules you have to follow—very specific rules. And of course, once they leave, she's like, "Whatever, they're crazy people. I'm paid." His pants? No, there's no poop involved in God this damn, one. I'm, I'm out. <laughs> uh, she, uh, you know, goes about her day basically like, "Well, fuck, I'm gonna just like take care of the house. But I'm not gonna do anything with this stupid doll. I might like, dust it every once in a while, okay. but that's about mm-hmm. it." And then weird shit starts happening around little the little house, little. and like. Uh, well, she's got kind of a starts a friendship, uh, like a flirtatious relationship with the guy who's hired to bring groceries in who like, wh- one of the things that's kind of inter- interesting about this one, will say right off. And it's not really a spoiler. Cause this is like early second act stuff is that, you know, they do the, assume that you do, if this movie was made in the seventies or, or any time before five years ago, it would have been like, yes, the doll is obviously some sort of demon ghost, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and they buy into it really fast. Like, well, I guess that's just how it is. Mm-hmm. So I guess we're mm-hmm. going to follow mm-hmm. the rules and take care of the boy and just do all the stuff until the parents get home. And, and then everything will be all right. And then it's like, la-da-da, back to life. Okay, everything's fine. Mm-hmm. And you're like, mm-hmm. wait, what just happened to movie? <laughs> 'Cause Because you know me. I mean, like, I might come to that conclusion, too. But then I'd be like, run. <laughs> <laughs> So maybe a little inc- unconvincing, but still an interesting choice of the movie. But then later on, you're like, okay, that twist was stupid. I don't know. It's far from a great movie. It has some nice little gothy moments in in it, no question. The house is gorgeous and really cool, mm-hmm. practically a character in and of itself. This house, and like I said, uh, Lauren Cohen does a really good job in here. But uh, there's there's nothing you if you are a horror fan, like you keep up with horror, you're going to see everything this movie got coming a million miles away. If you barely ever watch horror movies, you might actually really enjoy this.
1: Well, I see that Jim Norton's in it. That's horrifying.
0: Uh, Jim Norton. The oh, Irish wait, character No, I was Re- thinking about Re- uh,
1: the the comedian.
0: No, different guy. <laughs> D- different
1: Jim Norton. I thought I thought that was a bit of a of a, a reach. for Well, like, and yeah, Diana Fren-
0: Hardcastle, the wolf, uh, the the wife of Wolf Rainer Hardcastle. Oh, okay. No, 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 that's a oh, Simpsons character. Man, I think. It's...
1: Sorry, totally different person. Yeah, I noticed. Bear McCreary also did the music for that one.
0: Bear McCreary stays busy. Yeah, it seems and like it. Good for him. <laughs> 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 I mean, the guy. I will say, Bear McCreary was, actually is one of my 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 favorite people working in soundtracks today like his work in Battlestar Galactica the Mm -hmm. reboot was so groundbreaking and so unexpected that you're like okay you get a lot of room (laughs) 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 to do whatever you want now uh so anyway that's the boy Uh, not for me but you know your sister who's usually but I'm too scared to watch horror movies and then gets talked into it by boyfriend they'll probably love it yeah babe it's cool I'm here it's cool I got you uh, next up is a kind of... You know, it's weird. You say classic. I was trying to decide whether I should say classic, minor classic, cult classic, uh, B-movie classic. I, I would go with uh, schlocktastic. Schlocktastic classic. I'm going to throw classic in there somewhere. Okay. Because I do consider the stuff to be a classic. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. This is one of those movies I haven't seen since I was a kid. And wow... Is it super fun? (laughs) It's schlocktastic as hell. And honestly, I don't think there's ever been another horror movie made like it at all.
1: No, no, because it's, I mean, it's basically if the stuff inside of Twinkies was a threat. I mean, other than long term.
0: Well, are you saying that for you, the stuff inside the Twinkies is like the most delicious thing, food substance ever? Yes. Okay, see, for me, it'd be peanut butter. Okay. So I'm just like, if peanut butter... Why would they put peanut butter in a Twinkie? That's stupid. No, no, not in a Twinkie, just on its own. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, although... Hmm... I think I think the Twinkie's coming back, folks. i just suddenly going like, I just had a billion-dollar idea. <laughs> <laughs> or a... A, a lawsuit that years. Yeah, I was going to say, we a loss leader. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, The Stuff is an old Larry Cohen film, uh, who is one of those guys who does, like, it's definitely the very direct definition of a cult horror director, but one of those guys, everything he does is really interesting. It's not mm-hmm. always good, but it's like, wow, nobody's doing anything like that. Like, uh, he did, I believe, Q, The Winged Serpent, with Michael Moriarty, uh, the one that, which is basically this giant, like, like a really thin dragon that's attacking New York City. Okay. And it's a really funny, like, and it's like, good lord, look at that fucking thing. <laughs> but it's like actually kind of a good movie, other than the fact it's so cheaply made. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, okay. Uh, the stuff is probably, I think, maybe my favorite Cohen film where there's a stuff that's like yogurt. Yeah. And these guys find it bubbling out of the ground and they become billionaires. By <laughs> and obviously it. They, they're like, we should eat this. Oh, no. I was like, <laughs> Wait. Were you on the Prometheus mission? Because <laughs> they're like, first thing, hey, what's this weird white shit bubbling out of the ground? I don't know. Why don't you eat some? All right. Hey, it's really good. <laughs> it's, it's,
1: yeah, it, it's kind of like the jerk meats. No, no, that's it. It's it, like the jerk, the jerk
0: meats. <laughs> yeah, um, and they turn. It turns into you know, next thing you know, it's a sensation. The whole world is into the stuff. Mm-hmm. And billboards mm-hmm. and commercials. Everybody loves it, and it basically is like. Like the idea is it's like a yogurt substitute or something, except about a billion times better. It's like it's like fat free and nothing, but it's the most delicious tasting shit in the world. Only thing is it's alive Uh oh.
1: I, I, I sure hope big ice cream doesn't uh, fit
0: into this. <laughs> well, it's like turns into sort of a almost a they live type of film, you know? It's, yeah, without the sunglasses. Yeah, without the sunglasses. it's this group of people slowly coming to the realization that this stuff is some sort of living creature that is that possess when people eat enough of it, it possesses them mm-hmm. and sort of making them into this army just so to, it'll keep making more. And uh yeah, it's ooky as hell with the gore <laughs> like there's gore moments I'm like okay it doesn't look real but it's so grossly conceived of that it's real ah!
1: <laughs> moment anyway well as far as like zombie theories go I think it's actually a pretty good one yeah? Like, you know, there's, I mean, oh, the mutated virus or whatever, like, yeah. How about, uh, uh corporate greed just <laughs> kind of fucked
0: us up? Yeah. If, what if corporate greed came from an ancient parasite that lived deep inside the earth? It kind of does. And sure enough, this is definitely social satire, mm. no question. Like some of the best horror from the 70s and 80s indeed uh is, but, uh... This is definitely falls more on the just super fun to watch comedy side than yeah. it does, like, yeah, horror. Yeah, it's, it's just good times. Side. Yeah, it's a fun movie to watch, I definitely recommend it. Um, and, wow, what a great bonus feature with this new Arrow release of this 52-minute documentary called Can't Get Enough of the Stuff, making Larry Cohen's classic creature feature, which is, you know, a super fun series of interviews with everyone involved that also goes into, like, his style and a lot of his other films. But it's a really good little mini-doc. And then there's a little introduction and trailer commentary from uh, Darren Boos- Bozeman, who is a he- uh, current horror director and big fan of the film, uh, as you should be. When, when you, I guarantee you, once you see this stuff, you're going to be like, okay, that's now on my list of stuff I show people when we're having a drink at night.
1: And, and he's probably going to remake it, and it's going to be grittier and darker. Oh, and like, don't. like, not like the this, this stuff actually is, like, autistic no, and I, it's I, isolated.
0: Please don't let anyone make a gritty, serious <laughs> version of the stuff. You'd be like, Wow totally missing the point. What's going on? The stuff. Uh, so then there's an, our horror run, the movie flight 7,500. Oh shit balls. Um, starring, uh, Leslie Bibb, Jerry Ferrara, Ryan Quantin, and Amy smart. And you're like, well, you had me at Amy smart. I'm not watching it. (laughs) (laughs) I I would say that this was as entertaining
1: as a long distance flight. (laughs)
0: At least, uh, I hate the way that this is one of those films that clearly was made for, you know, like oh yeah, I can make a horror movie for that. Yeah, like a bet. Like oh sure, yeah, you give me that much money, I'll make a horror movie and saved cash, I suspect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it's all entirely set in in the interior of this uh, two store, two layer, two level airplane mm-hmm. where first class is up on top and coaches. You, mean, coach is you mean correct class. Correct class. Yes, that's what I meant. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, and it just, these people who are going from LA to Tokyo, and you basically spend a little time getting to know each couple, which are cliches. Of, yeah, and you don't uh, want to. Yeah, I mean, there's a certain amount of entertainment value for how uh, just on this nose these characters are. Yeah. For horror cliches of these things. Uh, and then once you, like, you know, and then of course people start dying, and then there's something about a Japanese death doll. Oh, that god has damn it. That nothing was nothing to do with anything in a I, way. I does. honestly
1: think that was where most of the budget went was that
0: stupid moving doll. Yeah, I kind of like the doll. I, admit, I would totally own one of those dolls. Well, it made like little burpee sounds. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of cool. I would want that. It's like Homer Simpson's Japanese death doll. Uh, and you know, little weird things start to happen, but it all sort of centers around a moment where if you don't know what happened within 10 minutes after that moment happened, then you clearly were just not paying attention at all, which no one could blame you no, at you, that point. If you, you might you have would, made a sandwich. If you were like just scrolling through your phone at the same time while half-watching it, okay, fair enough. <laughs> but it's one of those twists that are like, okay, guys, you know how many times this twist has been done and done better and much, much better. You should just leave it alone. And
1: I... <sighs> Like, did they have very sensitive, cheap mics, and so that's why there was almost no sound? Like, it was just so goddamn quiet to me.
0: Yeah, there's that's like the quietest airplane in the world. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> um, I mean, this is not a good movie in any way, shape, or form, but as it, as it goes for these type of films... Like, I was actually bored watching The Forest, and I wasn't by this, maybe because it's just like... Oh, this is just deliciously bad. <laughs>
1: I don't know. I watched it after the forest, yeah. so I was already kind of numb. You
0: already checked out at that <laughs> yeah, point. Really
1: I was mean, like, "Oh, Jason Stackhouse, you can't, you can't bring me out of this one." Uh,
0: and this is actually directed by Takashi Shimizu, who is uh, who actually created the Grudge franchise. And I just, in general, I'm saying Japanese horror directors just seem incapable of making American produced films. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, even The Ring 2, the American Ring 2, directed by the creator of The Ring, fucking awful. Yeah, (laughs) You know? There's, like, several more examples where you're just like, yeah, for whatever reason, it just doesn't translate. (laughs) I I don't know. Seemingly. I I see that this is, like, a Japanese conceit film horror idea, but Mm. it it, it doesn't work. No. At all. Fuck it. 7500 is not... Worth, but 75 cents (laughs) if you find it in the Walmart bin. Uh, Okay, so this next movie we're going to talk about is also really cheesy crap, but it has the advantage of being nostalgic and from 1986. Well, there you go. It's the Zero Boys. This is another Arrow film release who love to dig up weird little
1: there's like, there there you, you got to give them a medal for for the, the the work they do.
0: Yeah, this is from a Nico Mastora, uh, Mastorakis, who is a Greek filmmaker who whose life is a thousand times more interesting than the films he makes. (laughs) I mean, he really has had this, like, he was a journalist who did a bunch of crazy shit and, like, was doing secret photography of people, taking pictures of uh, Jackie Onassis and people on there. Uh, Like, he was a huge radio personality in the 50s who apparently brought international pop to Greek radio. Um, He became, he was good friends with John Lennon, uh, he booked the first ever pop concert in Athens, booking the Rolling Stones, that ended up being having issues with police that were there and riots. I mean, this yeah, guy, Hells Angels. He was a there. lyricist and a record producer. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, uh, he, he basically brought Vangelis to the world, who, who did the soundtrack to Blade Runner, famously. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's a super interesting guy. He created basically Greek television in the 60s. I mean,. But then he decided he was going to make some uh, um, horror movies, and he sucks at it. (laughs) Well, what you going to (laughs) do? But, you know, historical interest, totally there. And uh, the Zero Boys is like, I mean, it's action horror Z-grade stuff with a team, you can't make this up, a paintball team known as the Zero Boys who Mm -hmm. win a tournament, Mm -hmm. and uh, part of the... the, uh, Winning thing was the guy was like, well, if I win, I get to take your girlfriend, which she doesn't know about that until he wins. That's a fair bet. And she's like, whatever, that's sexist. And then leaves in the car with the guys that won won her.
1: Dude, deal's a deal.
0: Yeah, right? Um, So they go off. They decide they're going to celebrate. So they go with their girlfriends to the mountains. Uh, and uh, to a cabin that's out there that I don't know how they know anything about. I guess they don't, but uh, it turns out that there's a killer who... uh, Multiple killers, like redneck killers out in the woods, who have already killed a ton of people out there and were kind of mid... Mid Mid-kills? Yeah, mid-kills, and starts coming at them. And what makes it weird is that it kind of deviates a little bit from the standard slasher fare, which came, um, you know, which was a... Uh, you know predated it but also was going at the exact same time this came out in 1986 by uh, not necessarily killing everyone when you thought they were dead Mm -hmm. because you know you're Friday the 13th your Halloween's somebody dies on screen they're They're dead they're fucking dead yeah Yeah. here it's it's like they keep going okay you know you take somebody away hear them screaming you're like they're, they're gone Right, not in this film. You're like, oh, because these guys are actually kind of like toying, playing with their food, like mice or whatever. Yeah, you know? and and the victims got gumption. Yeah, and there's some fun to be had there, but these special effects are so fucking bad, <laughs> and it's just so goofy. The acting so bad. I mean, this is mainly fun as a weird little nostalgia piece, and you know, like ah, eighties, you were funny, <laughs> <laughs> and, and like. Just the, the If you're really a slasher film aficionado, this is kind of oddball. Or and, and a that. paintball aficionado. Oh, no, definitely not that, no. Because <laughs> there's barely any paintball in this actual movie. Well, it's no
1: side out as far as specialty <laughs> 80s interests go.
0: <laughs> um, I don't know. Just, I, I'm not the biggest slasher aficionado mm-hmm. and, uh, for horror, and I thought it was pretty boring, but I can get that there's enough Weird things for this genre going on in it at the time that people are really into that are going to want to see it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a lot better than a lot of the films from nineteen eighties I've seen from this sort. True. Uh, and there's a thirty minute interview with Nico Masterakis, the director, which is basically him just being a complete fucking weirdo interviewing <laughs> himself, which is better than the actual movie. Like I said, this guy fucking fascinating guy. Look up the Wikipedia page on him. I, I barely scratch the surface on how crazy this guy's life was and all the cool stuff he did. But does uh, he have his own action figure? Probably. I don't awesome. know. Awesome. Um, there's two music videos that no one in their right mind would sit through. Uh, there's an interview with one of the actors, and uh, audio co- commentary. Uh, yeah, I mean, another Arrow video release. Hey, all's good when Arrow Video's putting it out. Can't say the same for Backtrack. Which Arrow Video decidedly did not put out. Well, quite wisely. <laughs> <laughs> this is a new release. Look, all right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna concede this right now. I still want Adrian Brody to have a comeback.
1: You know, I, I was, I was just thinking. This, uh, we we we've suffered through a lot, like that John Cusack uh, Chinese movie. That yeah,
0: you, the John Cusack, uh, Jackie Chan, and Adrian Brody. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: this was this was definitely the like, hey buddy. Let's
0: yeah. just take a little break. Let's yeah. just, just Maybe you should do some stage work know, or, something? Paint or something. I don't know, <laughs> paint or something. You know, the problem isn't Adrian Brody as an actor... Although in the Chinese one, I'll give you that, yeah, that was pretty bad. But not in this film. I'm like, yeah, hey, he's not bad in this. No, film. No, he's competent. <laughs> it's just a bad film. <laughs> yeah. It's like stop signing up for so many shitty films. Get a new agent because you're. I think you are. I mean, come on. The guy won Best Actor for the the, P- the pianist. Mm-hmm. He deserve. He is a really good actor, and he's got a very unique look and style. He just keeps picking the worst fucking movies, and uh, this one he plays a psychotherapist Peter. Uh, I'm sorry. Did I say it's called backtrack? Yes. Let me backtrack to say. Wow. Uh, he plays a psychotherapist Peter Bowers, who uh, is. Constantly works out of an office where it's always the lights are always off and it's always raining outside. Yeah, he's
1: not a very successful <laughs>
0: therapist. Uh, and none of his people he does therapy with seem to like him at all. No.
1: <laughs> no, that's that's not a part of the I, process.
0: I mean well, he's apparently got his own problems. He keeps having nightmares and like things that he's not sure what's going on like am I hallucinating? What's happening? A little very ghostly like stuff. Uh, and I think what is most interesting about this film is that it takes what was would be the end twist for a crappier Sixth Sense re- uh, remake, <laughs> and makes it happen like halfway through the first act. Well, that, that way you get it get it over with. Yeah, where I'm like, oh, well, that's a relief. At least we won't have to sit here for hours waiting for to reveal. Guess what? All his patients are in fact ghosts. Duh. Yeah. yeah, like I mean, you're like, okay, if you don't see that coming like five minutes into this film, then you, once again, you're not paying attention. But who could blame you if you just watched some of the? My other question: movies? How are they paying? How are they paying? Yes, I think that something's wrong with his brain, mm. and that he doesn't like know what's happening on that level. Either. Oh, I
1: thought it might be like Second Life, Linden
0: Bucks. Well, it's something that, like his 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 mentor, played by Sam Neill, is like sending them these patients for some reason and that all ties into it. And of course what this all about isn't really him having a relationship with these people. It's not like a sixth sense thing where he's like, okay, let's continue my relationship with these dead ghost people. It's more like, Hey, they're showing up for a reason because some really fucked up shit happened in your, in your past that you did. (laughs) And you need to trace down the history of it by going back to your hometown, you know, and fortunately, having to spend time with your redneck cop dad. Mm-hmm. and uh, Tracking
1: back, if you will. Yeah,
0: exactly. Which is like the title, only backwards. Whoa. Oh, that just
1: blew my mind. Do you think that the red he sees is the red we see?
0: What? I'm
1: just, I'm just, I had, I had a profound thought.
0: Did they use the Sony Red camera when they filmed it? No, obviously. <laughs> obviously not. Um, and when the, there's a point. Like, probably at least through halfway to the second act, I'm still with this movie. I'm still like, okay, movie, you're definitely doing some things I think are interesting. Let's see if you can figure out how to keep that going and make this mystery that you're building be plausible mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, and, and interesting to the viewers it plays out. The answer to that question, whether or not that happens, is no. It not, does not do the least. Not not, not even close. <laughs> that that it disintegrates so rapidly in the third act. Like just your, your suspension of disbelief or mainly in character behavior. Why would anyone behave that way? Yeah. Or wait, how could you not possibly have known that? Or how did this never come up before now type well, questions? For you know?
1: me it was just like
0: all right, movie, what do you, you fucking f- want from me? <laughs> there's a key thing that involves his friend who was there with him in this childhood incident that affects, basically sets up the whole thing of this movie. That when you know what actually happened, you're like, what the fuck does that have to do with anything then? <laughs> Why yeah. would that kid even be affected or upset? Or and I don't even understand. Yeah, I was like baffled what he had to do with any of this. And he doesn't. He's a fucking red herring that the movie's dumb enough to make him do things later that make no sense in the context that he's basically a red herring he's, he's the uh, Japanese schoolgirl in the forest <laughs> he is the Japanese schoolgirl in the forest um, yeah I hate to backtrack to the forest but backtrack is just d- I ba- my pants I <laughs> <laughs> <He> pooped his <laughs> pants um, wow I really wanted this to be good I always want Adrian Brody movies to be good and they never are God damn it. Someday, Adrian Brody. Someday. Chris
1: still believes in you. For so, now.
0: So you didn't get to see The Driftless Area, which I meant to hand to you. I wanted to watch it because I'd, I'd seen the things it for it. It was literally in the stack of films to hand to you. The fucking cats knocked the stack off the thing, and I didn't find it because it slipped under the couch. I was like, nice. so that was totally monkey's back. Well, can, I, can I watch it now? <laughs> you know what? It's The Driftless Area is one a great example of a film based on a really interesting Book that's mm-hmm. really highly regarded that doesn't quite translate well. No. I mean, we're kind of twin peaksy, but without the kitsch. See, you know? the, the, okay, first off. And a terrible title for the record. Right hate
1: <laughs> hate Zoe Just, just want to hit her in the face with okay. like a crane or something. Okay. Uh,
0: Fortunately, there are no cranes around when
1: Zoe Dashnell's um, not coming to your neighborhood. But love Anton Yelchin and, and really I uh, want to see more of what he does and John Hawks who's also amazing and from Austin which one's that guy uh,
0: John Hawks sure. you know John Hawks is that, uh, that guy right there
1: uh, he, he looks like Adrian Brody
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> <geez>. <laughs> yeah he was Soul Star on Deadwood oh okay yeah he's, he's, he's from Austin Bo knows him
1: Bo Bo knows Austin.
0: (laughs) Uh, He was actually, his big breakout, uh, other than Deadwood, was uh, the same one that was Jennifer Lawrence's big breakout. uh, The Winter's Bone. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, Dribless Area, worst title for a film maybe ever. Okay. (laughs) Like, what? I'm falling asleep just reading the description, (laughs) the name of this film. But uh, an interesting take on a neo-noir that doesn't really work. But you can see how the book was probably a lot more interesting than this that it's based on. It's about Pierre Hunter, Anton Melchin, oh. who is indeed the main character, who uh, meets this very odd sort of like almost like, hm like a manic pixie dream girl of George Lucas directed her in the prequels. Ooh, very that's a lot t- of politics. Talks like this. Everyone in this film is like, yes. We'll yeah, say so there's, there's no Jar Jar. This, I've been seeing almost endemic lately with films, art films, where they do that, where everyone is just kind of monotone. And
1: it's not even mumblecore. Yes.
0: <laughs> I observe life in a way that is devoid of emotion in my voice, so you can't tell what I really mean by the and words that I say. And that's how I live my life. And this one, this was everyone talks that way. See, earlier on, uh, Zoe Deschanel meets, uh, shows up at Frank Langella's house. He's like, "Yeah, come in. I've been expecting you, basically. And I'll set you up with a place to stay, and then you can do." What you came to do. Ooh, party? You know, you're like, okay, we don't know what that means. Anyway, uh, it turns out that there's a connection between her, uh, Anton Yelchin, and then John Hawks, uh, who is a criminal on the, on the road. We're kind of seeing the movies going back and forth between these people's point of view and his point of view as inexorably their roads start to come together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, I feel like it's... A, more of a fault of the movie than anything that it makes it feel like it is a twist at the end of what the connection is between these people when it seems to me like if I was to write this I would go yeah this is out from the ge- the beginning we know mm-hmm. what their connection is and then it's more interesting to see the way those film it's just ties them back together and in interplay and the interplay is interesting there's some great dialogue in this thing some interesting stuff Aubrey Plaza is kind of a sex maniac yeah, and she's in the movie. Yeah, she's in the movie. So. Hey-oh. Yeah. Uh Siren Hines plays kind of a you know no mobster is too strong a word, crime lord is too strong a word, small town like guy in charge of the drug trade would be the best Like one, yeah. uh the bad guy in Roadhouse. Uh Alia Shawcat is in this who seems to be in everything right now. I don't know who that is. Uh she was uh the cousin in Arrested Development. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, and she was yeah in The yeah, Final yeah. Girls. Have you watched the Final Girls? I'll have to show you The Final girls. a really fun movie. Uh, Anyway, it's arty. It's going to really piss you off if you hate stuff that is just really, really self-consciously arty, Mm because it's totally that. But I can't deny there's some interesting stuff happening here. It's just by the end, I was like, okay... That was a film that I wish I had never seen just so I could have read what it was based on in the first place. Uh, based on a novel the same night named by Tom Drury, who apparently is a better novel writer than screenplay writer, who okay. also <laughs> wrote it with the, co-wrote it with the director. It's a shame, cause I wanted because I'm really into it at first. I'm like, wow, this has got a lot of that sort of spooky Twin Peaksy element of like, what is real, mm-hmm. but not to the like a generic extent. Like, oh wow, just like something is slightly off about everything, and like, oh, these are interesting and interesting, well built characters in a Twin Peaksian type world. Uh, and then it doesn't really pay off in a satisfying way.
1: Oh, it's fiddlesticks.
0: Know. Yeah, I felt very driftless when I was watching it. Next up is the film that Joe has his own horror story about not getting I to do. watch. All right, so this week I handed him a stack of stuff, and he was most excited about going, Oh my God, The Revenant! I finally get I to watch get The to Revenant! I get to see it. Oh my God, I'm going to put my pants! And you get to watch all the other films I handed you except The Revenant.
1: Well, I wanted it to be fresh, so I saved it for the night before we were actually going to record. And then my PS3 craps out. Yeah. So then I go to the laptop, and uh, I got power DVD just so I could watch D- or, or Blu-rays on my laptops. And they decided that they were going to release an update, which said either you
0: buy the new version or you're Fuck City. Yeah. So I was in Fuck City. You were in Fuck City. <laughs> Fuck City. You're like, I can't buy the new version. Welcome to Fuck City. We got all the fucks. Hey, you, you. want to watch
1: The Revenant? hundred bucks. <laughs> Why
0: don't I just buy the download of it somewhere st- on my phone or something. No! No, don't you?
1: No, no, hundred bucks.
0: <laughs> uh, anyway, you guys probably already know some degree of what this is about since it dominated uh, conversation around the Oscars and, and won some Oscars. Uh, this is Alejandro G. Anarito, who took for the second year in a row best director uh, for his work on this film. Bam, bam. Which, I will say, um, this film totally, totally, totally deserved um, Best Cinematography, which it also won, along mm-hmm. with Best Actor for Leo DiCaprio. Yep. It, uh, I mean, not to say Leo wasn't great in this film. He is. It's just, it also kind of feels like a... Um, Oh, yeah, and by the way, I guess we're finally getting around to giving you an Oscar award. I I say good, because then maybe he can go back to doing fun stuff. Yeah, right? (laughs) Stop with the over-serious. He's going to be playing uh, Billy Milligan, who was a famous um, multiple personality with, like, I think eight personalities, who did stuff like, one of his personalities was a black belt that broke out of jail by chipping pieces of a porcelain sink off with his hand, Mm -hmm. his bare hand, and using those pieces to pick the lock and get out. Like, Like, this guy, no training at all anything like that much like martial arts who had a personality that could do that shit You're yeah like, he's like I want to see that movie he's with like the Leo that guy's like if I don't win for pretty much almost dying in The Revenant I'm damn sure going to win by playing eight different characters in the same film at the same time <laughs> yeah it's either that or a remake of Norbit yeah yeah no, that's what it should be <laughs> um yeah so he won a ton of awards and a lot of people loved it and I will completely concur best cinematography and maybe like a best director in concurrent with like how just grandiose the plan for this survival, very Jack Londonish type mm. film is. I mean, it doesn't completely work as a story. And reports you may have heard of it being based on a true story are wildly exaggerated. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. the more you look into it, the more that falls apart. I mean, they're like, oh, it's based on the book the guy wrote. No, it's not. The guy never wrote a book about his experiences. It was all word of mouth stuff that, like, several books were written after the fact, but not by the guy who actually supposedly experienced it. And the story has gotten wilder over time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he You had a
1: fish this big.
0: Yeah, exactly. I'm like, yeah. And you watch this film, the biggest problem is, you go, no one would have survived <laughs> most of the shit. I mean, he was fucking bears, right? No, he was fucked by a bear. Oh, okay, cool. Well, in the sense, he was totally fucked up by a bear. Oh. Yeah, that's the thing everybody's talking about, because they're like, oh, bear rape, because there's a bear on top of Leo DiCaprio mauling him early on in the film, uh, which is the whole rest of the film is like, he's left for dead by Tom Hardy and some other guys around him. Like, well, fuck that guy when they're supposed <laughs> to be sitting there taking care of him. And he's actually manages totally unbelievably to heal and goes okay so i'm gonna crawl i am not kidding crawl across like the coldest part of america in the middle of winter and get revenge on these guys okay yeah Yeah. so it's like death wish if it was completely implausible (laughs) (laughs) Not, Um, not the authenticity
1: that charles bronson brought
0: but it sure is gorgeous it sure is pretty to watch. I'm like, wow, there's an opening sequence in here uh, with the Native Americans who are attacking this f- fur trader settlement that is, like, reminds you of nothing else but uh, the beginning of Saving Private Ryan. Okay. You know, with that incredible jaw-dropping uh, Normandy Beach yeah, attack. You know. yeah. <laughs> I keep forgetting Vin Diesel is actually in that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I mean, like, really, this is a movie that I don't think is a Great movie, is it, but is it's it, a is pretty a good movie. No, it's not. Okay, that's a better way to say. It. I think it is a great movie. It is definitely not a classic okay. um, because there's a lot of big flaws in this. It has a real blah, blah type of ending. Um, Wait, and, does it and turn it, out he
1: was dead the entire time? No,
0: it's it's not a twist. Okay, ending. it's the only movie we're talking about this week without a twist. Apparently, uh, it's about thirty minutes too long, if not forty five minutes. With a lot of like, look, it's beautiful. Look at that, it's beautiful. <laughs> think that's beautiful? Just give us the award already. It's beautiful.
1: AI syndrome. Some
0: gorgeous... Look at that tree. Beautiful. Bear fuck that tree. Bear fuck that tree. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, did you say better fuck that tree? No, bear bear fuck that tree. Bear fuck that tree? (laughs) Bear is just fucking everything. (laughs) It's got a libido that won't quit. Uh, Okay, so you already know all that stuff I just went on about for 10 minutes, so I don't know why I needed to say it, Uh, but what you want to know is, is this worth watching uh, like buying the Blu-ray or watching the Blu-ray version. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, of course, this thing looks gorgeous. It would have to be its selling point is how gorgeous this thing Kay. is, just totally beautiful. Well, Even the, though the CG with the bears mixed. Okay. It's good. It's good. It's just there are moments that you feel like you saw a digital shutter or something. <laughs> and now you're like, wait, what was that? I saw that a pixel was that upscaling. Oh, Maybe I was over-watching it too close. Maybe so, over So, is there anything on here to buy it for the extras it's worth watching? Well, you really only have, uh, well really one extra i I don't count a photo gallery as an extra no that's that's cheating it's kind of bullshit uh but there is a 45 minute we a world unseen making of documentary which i did not get to watch uh, but apparently it already came out on it was released on youtube earlier this year but has been very highly thought of as a great behind the scenes not like your typical epk bullshit genuinely good little mini doc Kind of surprised that's all that's attached to this, Hmm. but that's probably yet more of, and maybe it's just me being cynical, but the... This is re-release. a classic, and yeah. we're going to re-release it later with a bunch of extra stuff. The Criterion edition. Hey, man, if Criterion puts it out, that's a whole other story. I'll give Criterion all the money. They'll
1: see. give you a little bear that, that,
0: that rapes <laughs> the rapes. Yeah, a little wind-up bear yep. that goes, Rawr, comes Rawr. along, and if it comes across anything in the past, it just starts humping it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I want to know, is Leo going to have a half-bear, half-human baby now? Yeah. I would watch the sequel to The Revenant if that's what <laughs> happens. Uh, anyway, The Revenant, it is, uh, it's, it's what it is. Uh, Next up, another film you did not get to see. Actually, I kind of wish you had. I think you really would have liked... Uh, Despite my problems with it, the lady in the car with glasses and a gun. Now, this is actually a remake of a 1970 film. Called Get Carter. No, no, no. (laughs) not called Get Carter. (laughs) Called the same thing. I'm not going to say the whole title again just for you. All right, fine. It's La Dame dans l'auto avec des lunettes et un Fusil, which I probably said completely wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So the lady uh, with the, the auto... And the crazy moon ladies
0: uh with pasta. Is that wow, that's good. Um <laughs> <laughs> it uh stars uh Freya Mavor, who I didn't hadn't oh, heard hello. of at all, but I'm hyper familiar with now, mm-hmm. who is a knock you dead redhead, just gorgeous like like, supermodel-level redhead. I'm going to need to borrow this. Who, uh, if you're from England, you know her for playing Minnie McGinnis in uh, the show Skins, which I know is a monster hit Mm -hmm. over there, but nobody here knows anything about it. We don't watch it
1: here. No, no, we watch MTV Skins. It's it's
0: about really bad high school students. (laughs) Spreading diseases. Yeah, like, high school kids who do drugs and beat people up and do awful shit. Um, Anyway, a huge monster hit over there. So she's already kind of a TV celebrity there. But, uh, she plays a woman who is very like, she has that total French sexuality bursting out of a shell of total restraint really? thing, you know, like she's like, wears glasses, ties her hair neatly back in a bun, wears conservative clothes for France, right. <laughs> you know, they're not very conservative in America. It's practically a stripper outfit, but in <laughs> France is, seems like instead of, Oh, that's conservative. Um, who is a secretary Mm -hmm. and basically her boss is Is like, Hey, I need you to come to my house. No, well, we'll get to that. (laughs) We need you to come to my house and uh, finish up some work. I've got to leave on vacation very shortly with my family, but I really need you to come here. I'll pay you extra. You come here, type things up. And we see her kind of having little fantasies about hooking up with the boss. And you think, okay, I see where this is going wrong! Not going the way you think it's Uh-oh. going at all. As uh, she ends up, nothing happens. Her, her her friend that she actually worked with, and it looks like maybe even went to school with, I'm not clear, about the same age as her, uh, is actually married to her boss, mm. and, and lives there as well, and they have kind of a like friends, but with the sort of amount of arrogance from the friend who own who's married. Oh, yeah, boss, yeah. Of course. Uh, and they're like, hey, I, we actually need you to drive with us to the airport so you can take the car back. So this happens, and she, instead of taking the car back, has a couple whiskeys at the airport. Yeah. And uh, then goes, you know what? I've never seen the ocean. And this guy's driving a badass fucking old classic American car. You okay. know, really nice. I'm just going to go for a fucking ride and go out to the ocean and check it out. Only thing is, on the way, everywhere she, she goes, he would keep going, hey, I remember you. You were here before. How's it going? And she's like, no, you don't. What are you talking about? I've never been here. And then even weirder, what? she's in a gas station and she goes to use the bathroom and someone busts in whose face is hidden behind a mask, smashes her hand in a door. And then leaves. Okay. Uh, and she's like, what the fuck? Comes out, you know, get, gets her hand bandaged. And then she's leaving, a guy's like, yeah, you know, another guy's like, yeah, I totally, you were here fucking like a day or two ago. Like, I remember the bandage and everything. She's like, what? The band? This just happened. Fucking weird setup, right? Yeah,
1: I'm like, hey, come on.
0: Well, this is not a supernatural or time twisty or any of that movies. Mm-hmm. This is a very Hitchcockian type story. Okay, it's building out to a kind of neat mystery that, like most Hitchcock mysteries, a certain amount of suspension of disbelief is required mm-hmm, when we finally mm-hmm. get to the big answer. Well, the big payoff is kind of a cool payoff where you're like, wow. And the movie takes the time to step by step it at the end because you're like, okay, that was pretty complicated. (laughs) So thank (laughs) you for doing that because I wouldn't have really totally got it otherwise. But, wow, a good movie, a sexy movie. not Like, once again, not a classic. Maybe I kind of need to go back and watch the 1970 film. Okay. But uh, a really fascinating story that that is told in a way – for the thriller that we don't get that much anymore. So, hmm. yeah, I really liked it. I think there were mixed reviews from critics. Some really loved it. Some were like, eh. But I really enjoyed uh, The Lady in the Car with Glasses and a Gun, and I kind of recommend it. Okay. good. Uh, next up is the, <laughs> the uh, uh, Arrow video release of Dillinger. Mm-hmm. Man, to took a big dick to put this one out, that's for sure. <laughs> Sorry, that's a Dillinger joke, yep. supposedly he had a huge cock. This is a 1973 film that is mainly about the fact that uh, Bonnie and Clyde and uh, Butch Cassie and Sundance Kid were huge hits in the theater. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to the point they almost turn to the camera and go, man, fuck those movies, we're going to be better. <laughs> and it's not better. No. Uh, part of the problem is Warren Oates, who is an actor as a who doesn't make a great leading man, I was trying to think what the hell else he's been in. I mean, he's a very famous actor. He's been in a ton of stuff. Like I don't know. I mean, it depends. Yes, he was in Peck and paws uh, The Wild Bunch, mm-hmm. and Bring Me the Head of Alfredo uh, Garcia. He's in the 1971 Two Lane Blacktop. Uh, which is kind of a, a youth classic. He's in Race with the Devil in 75. He was Sergeant Holka in Stripes. Okay. Yeah. All right. I Settle like down, Francis. I like Stripes. He's that guy. And he's not a pretty man. No. Uh, which, uh, you know, I mean, I guess it depends on your taste whether or not John Dillinger, the famous criminal, actually was. Oh, he was beautiful. Beautiful boy. <laughs> But, uh, he is playing the guy here well into it's not an origin story. It's like, hey, we're fucking badass criminals and we're driving around the country taking out banks and, uh, the agent, FBI agent Melvin Purvis, uh, played by Ben Johnson, another pretty big actor from the town is, is, the time is pursuing him. Uh, and it's kind of the story of like the last year or two mm. as he builds up his gang. Uh, of, like, the final gang he worked with, which had people like Babyface Nelson and Pretty Boy Floyd in it, Machine Gun Kelly, right. really famous gangsters there, and how ultimately Melvin Purvis, who literally got turned into a superhero by the media at the time, <laughs> yeah. who brought the whole gang down, you know? I mean, famously, Dillinger, gunned down, coming mm, out yeah. of a movie theater. It's that story, and I mean, there's some good stuff here. Its biggest problem is you just, the lead guy is such a fucking utter psychopath, it's hard to have <laughs> for him at
1: all <laughs> no no you shouldn't I, 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 That's that was probably built into it it was like hey you know what he's gonna get killed and you're gonna be like cool yeah, I know. I'm like,
0: when am I supposed to feel
1: any level of emotion for this character? Yeah, it's not Chloe like in Bonnie
0: and Clyde. Yeah. Like, like when they're dying and they're like, oh. Well, part of what, I guess, what makes that so classic is that that was such grand guignol for the American theater. It was so violent, their mm-hmm. deaths, that you're just like, holy shit, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you know, especially for the time. Mm-hmm. And, and Dillinger, I don't think even try. I mean, to their own credit, it, the director um, didn't even, uh, I'm sorry, John Milius, well-known, well-respected director in his own right, didn't even try to copy that element of it Which when is it good. gets to it. Because, honestly, you're not going to beat that sequence. But I think it should have gone for a little more romanticizing of these characters. Right, yeah. I uh, mean, I'm watching a movie. I know these people are psych- psychopathic scumbags.
1: But there's got to be some sort of investment somewhere.
0: Yeah, where I've got to go, like, I care to some degree what happens to them, and you just don't. You're like, wow, you're all monsters <laughs> and terrible fucking people. The biggest interest here is really just some of the actors that are really good performance. Like I said, Warren Oates is really good as Dillinger, Ben Johnson, is Melvin Purvis, who literally had a spin-off television series from this movie that like, ser- I'm sorry, series of television movies that were made, spin-offs of this movie. Huh. Uh, about his him continuing to beat other major n- criminals. Nab. Yeah. Uh Harry Dean Stanton is as, one of the names. Harry characters. Dean Stanton. Michelle Phillips is in this... uh, So young, you really don't recognize him at all. Richard Dreyfuss as Babyface Nelson. Uh, Cloris Leachman is in this thing. It's like a pretty good cast. There's some good stuff, but... I I don't know. It just doesn't even compare to the stuff it wants to be as good. Yeah.
1: It was was a background movie.
0: Yeah. I'd say that's, that's a pretty good way of saying it. It's like, okay, it's all right. There's some fun stuff here, but... It's it's there's a reason it's not regarded as a classic, even though Arrow Video who put this fucker out, certainly loaded <laughs> it up with good stuff. Uh, there's all kinds of extras, including a new interview with the producer Lawrence Gordon, new interview with the director photographer, uh, new interview with the composer uh uh a audio commentary, a reversible sleeve, which is by the way one of my favorite things they do where you put the sleeve that's the new artwork oh, yeah. on the outside, mm-hmm. but if you want, you can turn it inside out and have the classic original artwork I, okay. think I wish more people would do that but yeah it's a it's a good setup and like not bad at all movie, but just not as good as it wants to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, our video is the outlaw gangster VIP collection. Now I got to ask you, Joe Brower, mm-hmm. how many films in this collection of, I believe it's six movies. Did you actually watch? Um, Cause I mean, I'm not going to like bl- actively watch. Well, watch period.
1: No, like I had it on uh, because after the first one, it was just kind of, uh, I mean,
0: this is one of the greatest background films. Yeah, no, if they, I spoke they, Japanese, it'd be even better.
1: Yeah. No, <laughs> it, well, I mean, like, uh, it's it's not quite Pink Lady era, but it's no. it's pretty close around. And it, it's got that kind of cool that... Uh, like, oh, God, what was the name of that movie where Robert Mitchum went back to Japan in the 60s and found his old uh, oh, fuck shit. buddy? What is the name of that yeah. movie? Yeah. Oh, but okay. it kind of reminded me of that. not Not in any direct sort of way, but just as far as like... 60s Japan was, was for as square as it was, oddly cool. Like, there was yeah. just a, like, visually, it was, it was, uh, just
0: that's the thing of this, this collection, which is ultimately just five remakes and the original of yeah. a movie called
1: Outlaw Gangster right. VIP. And then Outlaw an Gangster VIP goes to the moon, basically. Yeah.
0: It's a continuing story that all were made in like two years. Yeah. There were huge hits in yeah. Japan. Like, wow, like no one saw that coming. Made a fuck ton of money. At, like, of the story of this guy who's a Yakuza gangster who ends up getting disenchanted with the Yakuza and, like, a bunch of the same... I don't want to even say, because you should... Honestly, watching just one of these is so good. Yeah. You're like, wow, that was great. And then as you keep watching the sequels, you're like... These are all the same movie. Mm-hmm. The same fucking shit happens in every single movie. What? <laughs> Down to him, the final shot of him walking half dead away from the camera well, as the credits roll. It's kind everyone. of funny, because
1: <laughs> Miike kind of did that with his Yakuza series, Dead or Alive. Which wouldn't surprise me if they were direct,
0: like... But with
1: each one, he brought something extremely different about the tone Mm. to make it actually worth watching, whereas this, it was just, like, lather, (laughs) rinse,
0: and repeat. It really is. I mean, like I said, don't get me wrong. Any one of these is a fun movie. Yeah. And it's one of those you could see, like, hey, I'm working, and I just put this on the background, every once in a while I look up when something super violent or fucking bizarre or totally 60s happens.
1: (laughs) I mean, uh, but, 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 okay, I'll put it this way.
0: Watching it, you go, man. I should really wear
1: suits more often.
0: Uh, yeah, seriously, <laughs> right? Because everybody looks good. Yeah,
1: yeah, look clean cut. You, you, you got a nice silhouette.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, honestly, it is a lot of fun. I watched three of these and was like, I enjoyed them. I just came to the realization I don't need to watch all no. six.
1: And and if you want to ask about like, oh, well, we'll remember the third one? Like,
0: no, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, this was actually based on the writings of Goro Fujita, who was a real gangster who claimed that, like, at least the first story I read happened book. to him.
1: Did you really? Uh, yeah. Now now that I think about it, I read his book. It's, uh, I forget the name of it. Is there any way we can find out? But I've still got it somewhere. But it was a really interesting read of how he uh kind of just came into being Yakuza.
0: Yeah, I mean, and this is kind of, this. although this feels a little more like, the, this is how I got out of being Yakuza yeah. <laughs> and then how they keep dragging me back in type yeah. of <laughs> thing but it's fun it looks great it's from Japan's oldest stu- movie studio Nikatsu and it really did hold an important place in Japanese film, mm-hmm. where it affected everything that came afterwards.
1: Yeah, and, yeah, no, I mean, like, the same story is still being told today.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was a, a very iconic story, and it was the really the beginning of Yakuza cinema. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's kind of a big deal. Um, I, You know, the movies are Gangster VIP, Gangster VIP 2, Heartless, Goro the Assassin, Black Dagger, which I think was actually my favorite of all these uh, that I saw, and Kill! With an exclamation point! Damn, better kill. Uh, yeah, really cute. If you like, like watching, like the early James Bond films with Sean Connery. Yes. There's something about these that feel like a like like the sense of style. Well, because they're they're of the same and, time and as, rock and roll with it, and you know, like like
1: uh, like, and uh, you only live twice. Where. He became a Japanese man.
0: (laughs) Indeed. Uh, Yeah, I actually really recommend this set from Arrow Video. They Mm -hmm. did a great job with this. It's just, you know, obviously it's not for everybody, but if you want to know where all the Yakuza stuff in film came from, this is where it came from. And once you watch it, you go, oh, I see why people like that. Um, You did not get to watch East Side Sushi. I'm not going to say a lot about this because this is a very small indie, like, you know, meat cute film. If it was about somebody who the meat cute was with food. (laughs) you know it's just just adorable uh, uh, Latino woman who's just like, so, she's got to, she's so expressive and she's a really good actress and she's got like her own kid. She lives with her dad who's kind of a curmudgeon and things aren't working out for like their fruit truck that they're mm-hmm. trying to do because there's robbers who are robbing fruit trucks and she's like, I need to take a new job. My old job isn't paying well and the fruit truck's not working anymore. Got to support the kid, what have you. So she goes in just because why the hell out of desperation, just sees a f- help wanted at a sushi restaurant and gets super fucking into it. Like, wow. Wow, sushi is actually cool. And this is kind of like it. It's like a. Lo- it literally is a love story between this woman and sushi. And as someone who really likes sushi, and mm-hmm. I genuinely do, I learned a lot watching this movie that wasn't dry at did, all. Did, did, they,
1: did they talk about uh, she's a woman, so her hands are too warm to make yes, sushi? Yes, they
0: did. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and like that whole. Like, it's kind of about her, like, you know, she's just washing dishes in the back and then sort of forms a friendship with the main chef. Wait, how come the Mexican
1: washing dishes in the back?
0: Well, because she's not Japanese and they weren't going to hire her to uh, ah, okay. make sushi. Yeah, so That makes sense. Okay, never mind. I'm sorry. <laughs> Overly but sensitive. She forms kind of a friendship with the, the head chef who starts teaching her basic stuff, but then she takes it upon herself to learn more mm-hmm. and starts you know, becoming really good at it, in fact, and really creative, trying new things. But I want to try some of the sushi she comes up with. Did she make the dragon Sunday. boats? She, no, she did not. No. But she made like a, a, a sort of variation on sushi that takes a poblano pepper and skins that like you do seaweed and mm-hmm. use that for the role. Nice. Kind of like, wow, that's kind of fucking hey, cool. Maybe with, we should do that. With like cilantro and jalapenos in it and stuff. Uh, I was must. like, that's kind of good. Uh, anyway, like I said, it's a cute film. It's a very well movie, well-made movie, well film from uh, Anthony Lucero, a first-time director that is not going to like knock anybody over, but is like, okay, here's the director putting out his Hey, I can make a film where you're really going to connect with the characters, you're really going to like the subject matter, you're actually going to enjoy yourself, but that is ultimately, you know, I mean, like, not set, it's not going to piss anybody off despite dealing with a potentially, you know, angering scenario about Japanese racism, you know. Oh,
1: which is very real.
0: (laughs) Yeah, which is very real. You know, it deals with it in such a delicate way that it's like, okay, it's definitely not going to even offend Japanese people at all. And ends up being like, that was really cute. I really enjoyed it. And I think we're going to, years from now, we're going to be like, hey, this guy's going to be directing mainstream films that are pretty, pretty good. Uh, He's going to make Amelie too. (laughs) Because it's like, hey, this was his, this is his like launch project of like, yeah, I can handle that shit. Nice. Okay. <laughs> yeah, kind of cute film. East Side Sushi. It certainly made me want to go get sushi. I'll tell you that. funny. Oh much.
1: well, let's let's go get sushi at Yanagi. Uh, I'll, I'll go
0: get sushi anywhere as long as you're paying. <laughs> well, only with my looks. Uh, next up is Drunk Stone. Brilliant. Dead. Gosh, I loved this movie. <laughs> what,
1: just real quick. Okay, so it's it's about the the National Lampoon. Uh, every every story or retelling of of how they were. Is exactly how I thought it would be.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. And and, that, and not necessarily thought it would be, but hoped it would be. True. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is like the prequel to Saturday Night Live, mm-hmm. basically. Like, the story of, like, these crazy, talented, like, mad, funny, groundbreaking comedians who... Change the entire face of comedy and basically introduce the world to the stalwarts of Saturday Night Live and Mm -hmm. even, like, basically set the ground for Saturday Night Live to happen at all. This is that movie about, like, the documentary version, mind you, because there's a narrative version coming out soon of this story. Okay. Uh, You know, which really focuses a lot around uh, the, um, uh, and blank on his name right now, the guy who dies. uh, what Belushi? is his name? No, 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 not Belushi. The guy's, like, basically the creator of the, the guy who brings National Lampoon to, to this place, and um, and... God, it's fucking kill me. I should have written this down, because I knew I was gonna fucking forget this guy's name. But anyway, um... Uh... See, I'm looking through all this stuff. It's killing me. Even the artwork was done by an old animal, house, uh, old National Lampoon artist, who they got to come in and do a really cool, fucking, like National Lampoon-looking original art for it. Ah, Kenny. Um uh Ke- Doug and Henry Beard were kind of the creators of this whole mm-hmm. bringing the old Harvard Lampoon which was a on campus humor magazine yes. to a much bigger level and changing everything National Lampoon. So it really is their story and much more so about Kenny who was just fucking kind of insane <laughs>
1: <laughs> which which you would uh, figure at some at some level like, they'd have to be
0: massive cokehead or guy but totally a genius who is the reason ever for everything mm-hmm. you know but who died really young like before anything went big, the like, brightest
1: flames, buddy.
0: He like Caddyshack was kind of the big, like one of the big look shot across the bow film mm-hmm. for them, and he died like I think like a few days before it premiered. Oh, a tear, <laughs> yeah. Um, this is so great. There's so many cool like wow, can you believe this footage exists? Yeah. People like yeah. like John Belushi and Gilda Radner doing cool stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's yeah like seeing them do shit that's not meant to be on television.
0: Yeah, no, <laughs> not at all. Um, and it's just a fascinating story. How Wow, it's amazing that anything came of this because the whole thing was like a powder keg waiting to explode at all yeah. times.
1: Yeah, a little, little uh, man-centric. But.
0: Well, true, but it was <laughs> the 70s. So... Yeah. Um, the, Honestly, and I'll give this my pick of the week, personally, and the reason for that is not just because of how good this film is. Because, wow, there's a lot of cool bonus features on here. Just like if that wasn't enough, here's a bunch of really weird, cool interview footage with great people. Here's John Goodman reading a Doug Kenny story uh, called First Blowjob <laughs> out loud. You know, there's people, like famous people looking back on Animal House. There's a... a a bunch of scenes about how much they were using drugs that were a little too heavy for the movie. Uh, there is a scene where Joe Dante talks about the next thing they were going to do, which was a parody of Jaws that never happened. I mean, and more and more stuff like that, where it's like, wow, these are some amazing fucking deleted scenes. Yeah. This is like the history that happened a- a with the stuff that didn't quite happen added on.
1: Well, it, it just kind of reinforces like this. Sometimes you you uh, encounter people for which material and creative endeavors are just, just pouring out of them and it's not stopping.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is this group of people were so talented and it didn't hurt that no one was doing anything like they were doing. Mm. But then, you know, drugs. Hey. Has mm. a way of changing things. Kids do drugs. <laughs> uh, so that brings us to uh, the end of the show proper, but we have three, three. of the thing that we like to call the... Giveaway. Oh, here, take
1: it. Oh, you can have some of that, too.
0: <laughs> three things, and all three are HBO television shows. That's mm-hmm. pretty fucking cool. Hey, away. it's not TV. It's HBO. And we've got to do a different thing for each one, because I don't want just one person to receive these. We're going to give oh, this out so okay. three different all people right. receive them, because that's not fair. <laughs> people might have different tastes for different things. Mm-hmm. The first mm-hmm. one we're giving away is season four of Veep. I mean, look. I think Veep is personally the funniest show on television.
1: I do too cuz I haven't seen it.
0: You should cuz it is just that good. Okay. It's um But I hate Buster from Arrested Development. He's playing a not entirely dissimilar role here, but he is often more often than not just used as a someone to beat. Okay. beat up so you don't mind him so much the main appeal is is i mean it's got a great cast but julia louise dreyfus proves she's probably the funniest person on television right now uh, with her role as the vice president now at this point in the series basically the president had like his wife was very sick and so he bows out of being president he's like i gotta go take care of my wife she's sick probably gonna die and she unexpectedly becomes president with not much longer left in the in the cycle, okay. So this is hey, I'm president now. Fuck all of you, <laughs> and because uh, no one in the show is a nice person for the Okay, record. and then also trying to run for becoming president again, proper. Yeah, uh, and the, one of the things that makes this season so great, like every season is great, mind you, is that uh, she got what's his name, the House guy, you know, the guy who played House. Oh, uh, Hugh Laurie? Yeah, Hugh Laurie comes in as the guy she gets to be her vice president. Okay. And who is, like, the greatest guy in the world, and everybody loves him. And she's, like, starts to go, like, oh, fuck that guy. She gets (laughs) all jealous because everybody (laughs) likes him and doesn't like her. They start talking about, like, you know, you would actually have a better chance of uh, getting him back in the White House if you guys reversed and let him run for president and you were his vice president. (laughs) She's like, fuck you, Diedrich Bader is in this season a lot, who's always very funny, is a very well-known campaign manager who ends up, because he's the new guy, getting basically fucked in the ass by everyone the first chance they get. <laughs> really funny season, once again. The last season run by the showrunner, Arnando Iannucci, uh, who created In the Loop in England uh, and, Oh, I'm going to the name of the other one. Another political show too, but I'm liking on the name of it. Um, Veep is super funny. Honestly, you can drop in on the show at any point and just start watching it. Cause it's just like every 10 seconds, somebody says something that's like laugh out loud, funny on mm-hmm. the show. I swear to God, if you have not started, even if you're like one of those people who like, I don't care about politics at all. You don't need to know or care about politics to find Veep hysterically funny. Okay. Cause it's mainly insult humor. Hey! It's everybody, just tearing everyone else to pieces constantly. Well, oh, that's way. that's
1: Matt Walsh's specialty. It's
0: uh, and he's so good <laughs> at it. Uh, Veep is wonderful. We're giving that one away. Uh, for all of these, you got to you know put at one of us net, which is our Twitter, and you got a hashtag Veep giveaway. And what do they have to do, Joe? Uh, best Donald Trump slogan. There you go. Not real Donald Trump slogan. No. imaginary. Yes. Although, for Christ's sakes, no matter (laughs) how fucked up it is you come up with, it might be real. <laughs> the guy is like, I think he's panicking because he might actually become president yeah. now. And he's like, what else can I do? Oh, I'm gonna, he's like, I'm going to release a video of me anally raping my daughter. And the guy still would probably get the Republican Anally nomination. raping that
1: bear from the Revenant. Yeah, anally
0: raping the bear from the Revenant. Because more bears need to be raped. Anyway, you do that, you could win Veep season four. You know what else you could win? You could win Silicon Valley season two. Oh,
1: Silicon.
0: Uh... I you know it's funny because the first season I was very mixed on this I was kind of back and forth mm-hmm. I liked it uh-huh. like the story of all these nerds in Silicon Valley who come up with an idea for ultra compression and that's right middle every, out and then everybody wants I wish this thing really existed goddamn shit yeah <laughs> but um, then there's a huge bidding war for, for to, to get uh, Thomas Middleditch who is the creator of it and his uh, group of geeks who work with him including uh comedian uh, uh, Johnny Nanjiani, Nanjiani who I think is one of the funniest comedians working right now I, I, okay. Every time he's on Harmontown he is like by far the funniest guy on that show. No matter well because he doesn't
1: you know. have to come back next week.
0: Uh, t- true. TJ Miller Martin Starr mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. really 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 um, uh, funny like a funny group of personalities versus each other. We got two guys who are basically almost kind of sociopaths with how much they could care give a shit about anybody but themselves. Yeah. And then TJ Miller, who's an egomaniac, <laughs> who's deeply insecure. Hey, <laughs> um,
1: hey, hey, when he was running Aviato, he, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't put up with that.
0: Uh, um, uh, Zach Woods as Jared, who is like closet, Nazi or not closet, but like subconscious. <laughs> Nazi. I don't know if it's a Nazi. He's, he's like, so desperate to be liked that he will put up with anything, funny that everybody just dog piles on him because you almost can't help it. Actually, even I, I wouldn't like even the sweetest guy. In I would the
1: world. Ex- categorize it as that. I would categorize it as he believes in something so much that he's willing to to just oh put I see all of it on the, the line.
0: Nazi there, yeah, yeah, because he's like yeah blinds himself to anything else. He's like, no, I've chosen to follow this. Flag. <laughs> he will, uh, and then Amanda Crew as Monica Hall, who's sort of like. Doesn't really work with them, but kind of does. Just shows up to sprinkle some hotness. Shows up to sprinkle some hotness on the whole thing. Thomas Middleditch being the the creator who gradually is getting more exasperated with absolutely everyone as the story goes along. And the second season, I really enjoyed it so much more than the first season, which I, like I said, did think was good. But it's in the second season where they found their stride. See... Uh, I like the first season more because I finally
1: realized the one thing that I really hate about this. Uh-huh. And I do love Silicon Valley, but the thing that I hate is that every episode ends with an end-of-the-world scenario.
0: Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's the... Uh, every tech show, it's the... Same exact thing. Yeah. Like they're all the, uh, uh, whether it's drama or comedy, they all do that where every episode is like, oh, fuck, the program is not going to work after all.
1: Yeah, I deleted the internet. Ah!
0: They, they all do this cycle of like, "Like, oh my God, it's going to work. It's going to work. Oh my God, we made it work. Oh, guys,
1: shit, bees came out.
0: Turns out, That that wasn't actually software. It was Donald Trump's hair. Oh! Oh. Credits. (laughs) 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 And
1: they curb your enthusiasm music.
0: But this, like, I like it better because it is indeed funny you get it yeah no no place. it is you're, funny you're, you're yeah. there to laugh and i like i said i i think season one does the same thing as season two does with mm-hmm. that uh certainly gets frustrating at points you're like oh for fuck's sakes call will you please i mean the part of the plot is like they're at one point he's forced to like you can keep working for this company your company but we're going to bring in somebody to actually run it to right. be a ceo because you don't know how to do that stuff and i'm like Thank you. <laughs> it's like, will someone please smack the shit out of this guy and say, hey, wouldn't you do what you're good at and yeah. bring in somebody else who's good at what Stop they're good at? Stop dicking it up. Stop dicking it up for everybody. Uh, Silicon Valley Season 2, lots of fun. Once again, same instructions at one of us net. Uh, Silicon Valley giveaway. Or just how about this? Silicon giveaway to save
1: Twitter space. Which, which hopefully we won't get a bunch of condom ads.
0: <laughs> and uh,
1: what do they got to do? Uh, they got to come up with the most pretentious one word,
0: uh, uh, tech startup name. There you go. Uh, and last up is togetherness season one. This is a HBO show that I really enjoyed. That is definitely an example of a show, a, a comedy for adults, <laughs> uh, definitely evolving from the Duplass brothers who created the shows, uh, Mumblecore roots, but definitely <laughs> in more of an evolved way. Uh, it's, it's, it's. Four friends um, uh, here, Mark Duplis, uh, who's married to Melanie Linsky uh, and are having trouble with their marriage, basically just fizzling out, no. like no big problems, just the it's fizzling going. and they're starting to panic about it fizzling. Uh, and then you have uh, Michelle's sister played by the, sti- the absolutely gorgeous Amanda Pete, who has just shown up back in their lives again. She's like a, one of those, like, she's almost like a satire of a manic pixie dream girl, kind of, where mm-hmm. you're like. God, you're exhausting to be around. <laughs> uh, and then Steve Zissis, who plays Alex, who is uh, Mark Duplass's best friend, who has come to town, basically, uh, is in town because he wants to be an actor, but he lost a previous job, and now they're putting him up for a while. And he's kind of in love with Amanda Peet, who is just leading him around by the dick, even though she has no intention of sleeping with him. Mm-hmm. And it's this season, more than anything, is kind of about... That character realizing that she is just using him like a cock tease the whole time to get him to do everything she wants like a little puppy dog. Hey, you that's do. what the plot of the show is, basically. And uh, it's actually a really well-written and smart and even sometimes very funny show. Uh, that's This first season is just eight episodes. It finishes up with the, the soon-to-be-released, I assume, second season uh, of eight episodes as well. as just the first season on Blu-ray. But honestly, really smart, very mature really good show about real people that you'll get frustrated as fuck at sometimes but that's because they're real people (laughs) (laughs) they do dumb shit when sex is involved oh boy god knows i have (laughs) that's why
1: i'm celibate
0: you know everyone like that old question would you if someone could make you 20 again like with a like magic or science or whatever would you do it i'm like no "I, i i would but only if i could take Absolutely everything I know along with me Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where I'd be like, well, first thing we're going to do is eat salt Peter all the time because (laughs) this Peter was too much in control of everything I was thinking. (laughs) I did not know until you get to your 40s. You're like, holy shit. That thing was leading me around by itself. I don't even know how I survived. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, anyway, uh, but we're still together in all these years. Yeah, yeah
1: you and, you and your, your Peter Dinklage. a bunch
0: of pictures of me and my P- my Peter together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I wish you'd stop showing imagine them. Imagine the friends theme. Oh look, there it is again. All right. <laughs> uh, anyway, so same one at one of us net uh, togetherness giveaway. How do you win?
1: Uh, best Amanda Pete pun name.
0: Pun name? Yeah, I don't get
1: making Amanda Pete pun. Uh,
0: like what? Like give me an example.
1: Uh, Amanda Bye. Pete Moss. That's a that's oh, a really lame one, but uh, come on, guys. Okay,
0: all right, fair enough. I'll take it. Uh, yeah, so, uh, bring your Amanda H- Hug and Kiss Pete puns. Sure. Yeah, there we to, go. Uh, to send them in to win togetherness. And that's it. That's the end of, uh, Digital Noise. Well,
1: well we're gonna fall off. That's the end of it.
0: What?
1: Why did the kitty fall and hit the ground before you did?
0: Uh, That was really awkward.
1: Oh, man, you you took your Peter out again. He's
0: still alive.
1: Who, your Peter? No, the cat. Oh.
0: (laughs) Anyway, uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, Please revisit us next week with more. Next week or the week after, I'm not sure yet, because next week is Richard and Marco back again, and I have no idea what their timing is. I think next week. Uh, as a bunch more titles to review, titles to give away, um, and uh, my Peter will not be back next week. You have to wait for the week after that.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Sorry. Bye, Peter. <laughs> bye bye.